Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I have always been fascinated about how people make money in today's world. I think it's so fascinating. There's a lot of different variances. There's little paths you can take. There's always a million different ways to make a buck. But specifically, I've been very curious about the video gaming industry. I just think it's so impressive and it's starting to become a lot more mainstream that some of these video gaming influencers are making a killer living. And that's why I was so excited to bring on CEO of a company called More Yellow, Jordan Mariello. Now, Jordan has spent a very long time in the advertising and marketing industry, but I think it's really fascinating to see his new role within More Yellow. In this conversation, we talk a lot about what it takes to become a video gaming influencer. If you've ever been curious about how these people are making a ton of money, we're going to dive into exactly what it takes. We talk about the video gaming industry as a whole, what partners look for when collaborating with influencers. We talk a little bit about how much mid-tier gaming influencers actually make, what a day in the life kind of looks like, and even how More Yellow helps influencers monetize their following, their audiences, and their hard work. We talk a lot too about if somebody wants to become a video gaming influencer, how do they get started? I got to be honest, by the end of this conversation with Jordan, I was so fired up that I was like, okay, what video games can I start playing to start making a little cash on the side? Now, will I do that? Probably not. Who knows? I mean, I'm going to say for now that is being tabled, but it is a very interesting conversation. And when you hear how much money these people are making, my God, man, I was tempted. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I'm definitely not going to lie. It's a very interesting industry to me. Do me the big favor to help this podcast get in front of even more people. If you knew somebody who is a video gamer who's constantly playing, I don't know, League or Destiny or whatever the heck games that people are playing, send this episode to them and let them know that, hey, while you're playing these games, that's all fun and games, but how do you also monetize that potential passion. It's really interesting. And if you are not a video gamer and you're just kind of like me and think it's interesting, then share this with somebody that you think might find it interesting as well. All right, let's go ahead and dive into this conversation with Jordan Mariello. Hey guys, today I am so excited to dive into a topic I haven't really talked about on this podcast, and that is the industry of video gaming. I'm so excited to have CEO of a really cool company called More Yellow, Jordan, hanging out with me. Jordan, so great to have you. Hey, hey. thanks. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. Okay, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about how did you get into the role you're in today? What was your path there? So I'm the managing director um, or CEO of More Yellow. So we're uh, we're a gaming agency, creative and talent agency. So I started in advertising. I worked at a bunch of large agencies, worked on a bunch of different types of accounts, automotive accounts, pharmaceutical accounts, 
Uh, I really enjoyed the multiple aspects to advertising and kind of like the, the overall system of it. And so I started freelancing on my own and then I was able to kind of do different parts. I enjoyed the sales part and the pitching part, enjoyed doing the work and yeah, just slowly built clientele over the course of many years. And I, re- I chose gaming. I thought gaming was like the most progressive industry. It's a super progressive industry. Everything needed to be beautiful and cutting edge and the creative needed to be really nice. And so, yeah, so we built a team and then a few years ago, we, we were doing just creative uh, programs. And a few years ago, we started working with talent. Mm. And then so we started um, working with talent so much that we decided, hey, why don't we, uh, why don't we actually start managing talent ourselves? So, so now we have over 260 influencers, gaming influencers that we manage, uh, over 300 million views a month of inventory on YouTube. Yeah. And so, um, so now we're, we're a creative and talent agency, uh, in the video game space. And yeah, just, uh, how I ended up here is just, you know, step-by-step just slowly built it and built a great team, have a great team that I work with and, you know, was able to build this roster of talent because, you know, we've been creators ourselves for the past 10 years in the space. And, you know, we kind of speak their language a little bit. I think there's a stigma around gaming and I think it starts like when the kids are playing video games and your parents are like, come on, you're, and they're like, no, this is, this is great. Like it used to be almost shunned where now you can make a great living playing video games. And so I'm kind of curious, like from your perspective, when did that shift? Was that like when esports became more popular or was it before that? Like, what are your thoughts on that part? Yeah, there's been a bunch of shifts in the last few years, last five years, I would say. The rise of influencer marketing and the authenticity of it and how it works opened up the avenues, I think, for everybody. But I think in video games, it's a little different because I'm trying to think. There's a platform that was made. It was called, uh, it's called Twitch. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Twitch. It's it's a live streaming platform in games. It probably was started around 10 years ago and then Amazon bought it. And that's where everybody plays games and actually like everybody goes and watches everybody play. Mm. And I think when they started, the individual players that were playing started building their audiences. People started, oh, I want to watch Tim the Tatman. I want to watch him. I want to watch him. I want to watch him. They started having these huge followings. And then there was the power of having influence in video games. And I think that is probably when it changed to influencers being able to make money in the gaming space. So I think probably even before a lot of other industries, gaming has been there and like given, you know, influencers, creators, uh, the ability to make, to make money. Makes sense. I'm always curious too, for, for influencers. So you're representing them and connecting them with brands that they can make money off of. They can do advertising. They can do sponsorships. I presume like lots of different ways. How, how are influencers actually making money? Is that pretty much it? Or is there something I missed? Those are the main ones. Um, Those are the main ones. The, every platform that you're on. So Twitch was, it's always been the main one for, for live streaming. Okay. Um, YouTube uh, has always been kind of the main platform for VOD content, video on demand. But then YouTube now has YouTube gaming, which is like a streaming service that competes with Twitch. 
And Twitch actually now allows um, talent to keep their videos uh, for a certain amount of time. So they have a lot of odd content now too. Um, So you kind of get like a crossover of each. Um, But my point is, is the platforms is, is like the first place probably where all talent are making a certain amount of funds. Uh, I think it used to be more and then it shrunk. And then right now you see it a lot. Like you see it on reels on Instagram, who's trying to compete with TikTok for influencers. They're starting to pay the talent. And then, and then YouTube shorts is trying to compete with TikTok and Instagram as well, because YouTube's like primarily been known as like a, a long format, 10 minute content where, you know, TikTok and Insta are probably a, a much shorter so you have this race for who's going to pay the talent the most probably, and it makes it real competitive. And I think that will continue to, to gain traction. And so the platforms themselves will probably continue to keep growing in how much they pay the talent. But product sponsorships, that's what we primarily focus on, is still probably one of the key ways. Um, and I can talk a lot about sponsorships from like yeah. integrations and dedicated videos and CPM deals. And I'll explain those, but yeah, that'd be great. But there's a bunch of others too. You know, there's tournaments um, for high-end gamers that like to play esports is huge. You have ongoing sponsorships there where like, you know, like the brands or the teams are wearing like jerseys that look like NASCAR cars, you know, That's where so you awesome. logos all over them. Love it. And so they have ongoing sponsorships as well as their content sponsorships, in-person appearances. So showing up to like events and award shows and trade shows and actually building content there and live streaming from location so that there's additional eyeballs and traction at the shows or one way that the shows are, are monetizing talent now. Huh. You see a lot of podcasts uh, popping up by a lot of the talent. Uh, so it's still content sponsorships, but in a slightly different format than just gameplay. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're right now we're building NFTs, um, NFT communities. We like to call them uh, Web3 communities for, for our talent that also are, are ways for them to monetize as well. So there's, there's a number of different ways. And that's just the beginning. There's so many different ways that you can get creative with it. But if you want me to talk about sponsorships. I can do that too. Cause that's probably the main thing that we do at more yellow is, yeah. you know, um, we do offer multiple services from like the web three communities and then, you know, ongoing sponsorships and, and, and show sponsorships and interviews and things like that. But, but selling dedicated sponsorships on an influencer's channel or, or integrations um, or CPM deals is, is something that we probably is our highest focus uh, for what we do. With the CPM deals, I, I'm pretty familiar with that from podcasting, but I don't know if everybody knows what that means. So like, what what is like a typical CPM deal? What does that look like? Um, yes, well, CPM deal is, it essentially means it's, it's a performance deal. So it's based off of how well um, an influencer's video performs. Cost per thousand. Uh, it's always been an interesting thought is the M you'd think it's cost per million views, but it's actually right? cost per thousand. <laughs> Just to complicate things. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but yeah, so we do a lot of like the integrations and the dedicated videos where it's like a flat rate. Hey, uh, the influ- we'd like to work with this talent or we, we offer them, hey, would you like to work with this talent? They say yes. And then we mm. have a certain amount. Let's say it's X amount. No matter what, they put that content on their channel and they get paid a certain amount. 
CPM deal is we want to see how well this program performs. And so we would like to offer, and you typically have to offer like a higher CPM deal. You have to offer it at a higher rate because, you know, there's more risk for the influencer. Yeah, totally. Um, but, uh, but based off of their performance and viewership, then they get their compensation based off of that. And a lot of times what we, we actually do is probably like a, like a base fee plus a CPM deal. That so, makes sense. Yeah, that's typical. So, would, you know, obviously it all depends on the size of the, of the talent. But a lot of times it'll be like, look, we'll do a CPM deal if we can do an X baseline cost right here. That's your, that's your barrier to entry with this talent. And then if they perform over, let's say, mm-hmm. 300,000 views... Anything over 300,000 views, we want at a CPM rate of X. And then we do that. And so that's probably, that's a traditional sort of way we handle those. So at least there's, you know, some guaranteed funds. I'm curious. Okay. So somebody maybe is playing video games every single night, they get off work and they're like crushing it till 12 or one in the morning. They probably have a ton of footage. I can imagine they have a lot of content possibilities already, but maybe they're not capitalizing on that or they're not curating it in an appropriate way. How, for somebody who's hearing this and they're like, sign me up. This sounds like a great way to make money. I'm already doing this. Cool. What would they have to like the very next step for them to get to the point where they could possibly attract sponsors and brand deals? Yeah, it's a great question. Like, where do you start? You know, the first thing you want to do is be capturing all of that gameplay. Okay. You need to build your community. You need to build your viewership. So, you know, Get yourself a Twitch account for your live streaming. And I would also say then, you know, everything that's captured, you know, cut that down. If you have time to cut it down, like yeah. the best parts and put it as VOD content on YouTube. And if you don't have time to cut it down, then, you know, just, just export the video and upload it to YouTube. That's fine. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. There's also a ton of tools out there now that let you cast to all of the different platforms at one time stream elements is a, is probably the most widely used tool to, to allow you to do that so you don't have to kind of download and re-export and re-upload. Yeah. but that's that's an initial part so you first you got to start capturing the content so you can get eyeballs and grow your channel just like anything else right like we all have like our own instagram or tiktok channels personally like if you're not putting up content regularly you know then it's hard to build a channel at all because nobody would yeah. tune it. But that's probably the first thing, you know, and I, I would say the next thing, what you really w- probably want to do, and it, it requires some discipline, especially if you like to um, play so many different types of games is, is kind of maybe figure out what your demographic is going to be. Cause that's what all, mm. all brands are interested in, in like, if they're going to sponsor a channel or promote the channel, like they do a lot of heavy thinking on, is this the right channel to promote our product? Got it. Right. So what they want to do is they, they want to pretty much hear like, okay, this person's going to play this game or they're going to do this sponsorship. Is it going to work for our particular product? So, so pick, pick a type of genre that you want to build the channel around. If you're in video games, I'd say, you know, pick like a type of game, first person shooters, um, FPS, right? Role-playing games, RPGs, MMOs, uh, battle royale games, like pick one of those. And first, like like hyper-target a segment that you really want to focus on. 
Okay. And then you, and then you really start gathering, you know, people that are interested in just that topic. Um, and that's how you build like actual, like an audience right out the gate. Mm-hmm. And then slowly you add things into that, you know, you can become a variety gamer, but slowly, you know, add some different um, elements or different types of gameplay to that. And then from there, you know, make sure that you diversify your channel from there further. But it's it's all about figuring out who you want to appeal to mm-hmm. and then really building content around that. If you, It's like you're, you're reverse engineering your channel for like brands to find you and want to advertise with you. It's like, who do I want to appeal to? Who's going to actually um, be interested in sponsoring this? What type of content do I need to build to build that audience? Do, do brands... I mean, this is probably a naive question. I'm sure they do keep an eye out for people that are really up and coming or just like have a good channel and they see potential there. Is it common for brands to reach out to new influencers or is this something where new influencers really have to kind of take it by the reins and do it themselves for outreach? A little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. The brands will outreach if you make great content. Sure. And they think you're, you know, a good, safe, viable option for, for their sponsorship. You don't want to rely on those. I think outreach is, is really important. If, if you're an influencer and you're, you're getting going, I'm a big fan of make content for the types of brands that you want to work with. Yeah. Just make it, you know, you just put it out there, okay. you know, show, show it off and show that you, you can do like an authentic pitch or break down on what the product's about. Um, and then you might look at those brands and you can outreach to them. It's very easy to get in touch with brands nowadays if you want to do it yourself. And then you can show them your pitches, you know, show them your pitch and then and then just, you know, get on their get on their radar. Mm-hmm. And they might want to watch your channel for a while as you grow it. You know, it's just like all things. The bigger you get um, and the more experience you have, probably more people are coming to you. Sure. And then the very beginnings, if you're looking for funds, it's good to do like the proactive work and then go to them and show them that you can do the job. And a lot of brands want to work with, work with you. If you're proactive like that, I, you know, we get a request all the time. We get the request all the time. It's like, Hey, we want to work with a, we want to work with a talent that truly loves our product and we'll use it, you know, after the sponsorship, not so much just for the placement, you know, but like they want somebody that's authentically interested Mm-hmm. in what it is that that they're trying to sell. And so I think like, you know, I think that's like just an important thing is for you to be able to figure out like who do you want to who do you want to advertise to and and actually work with those products. What types of products are we talking about? Are we talking about like controllers, headsets, are we talking about energy drinks? Like like what's the scope of products that you're talking about when it when you see brands? Yeah, it's diverse. Um, gaming gaming is such a great industry. So we have the endemics and the non-endemics. And the endemics is pretty much anybody in games and the non-endemics outside of games. Um, and so the endemic uh, game companies, you know, are controllers and headsets and yeah. keyboards and mice and GPUs, cards for the, the computers and monitors and energy fuel drinks to help you play better. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's such a, you know, it's such a great audience that that's very hyper-targeted to men and women, 18 to 24, which is like one of Mm. like the biggest markets for advertising. 
that you have all of these products that are non-endemic that want to talk to that audience. So, I mean, we, we do a lot of business with groups outside of gaming, you know, men's grooming products. We do a ton of of work with men's grooming products. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? Because, you know, that's who you you could be talking to. Um, We do uh, a lot of work with, um, you know, apparel companies. We also do a lot of work with like digital app companies who just want like early adopters to find their apps. And they don't even have to be, you know, anything that is related to a video game. True. Dating sites, dating apps, you know. And if you think about it, it's all just perfectly target targeted to the age range of like your average gamers, your typical gamers that you're, they're casting the, the net against. That is so cool. I, I love that you're breaking down that it's such a like large scope industry. I think so many times, especially, I mean, I love, I love my mom. I love that age group, but they are just like, you're never going to make money doing this. Like you're wasting your time. And from what I've seen, a lot of these people and businesses are starting to take this industry incredibly seriously. And I think a lot of people are still sleeping on it, which I find interesting. I don't know if you have any like data or information, but can you give us like an idea of somebody who's maybe a mid-tier gaming influencer? Like how much how much money are we actually talking about here? Like how much money are they roughly bringing in? <laughs> mid-tier. So let's say they're getting about 100,000 views of video. Okay. So that's not their sub count. So maybe they have like, a, they could have close to a million subscribers. And they're getting around 100,000 views of each video on average. That's what the advertisers are, are typically looking for. You know, as far as brand sponsorships, of all the creators that we have on our on our roster, that's probably one of the highest segments is the mid-tier. Hmm. And I would say that we, we, to give you like some general numbers, uh, we probably sell close to maybe a half million dollars a year in sponsorships for them. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's insane. And so that's just sponsorships. Um, it's, I mean, it's a grip of work, you know, that's, that's oh, multiple sure. sponsorship deals, um, every month, but, but yeah, that's just probably on uh, brand sponsorships. And then, and then you have their monetization from the platforms right? and then any other deals that they, they might have as well. But yeah, it's very feasible to make to make about a half million in, in in sponsorships at that size if you have a particular type of content um, and you have a partic- particular style that the brands really like. Hmm. Are you finding, I mean, again, maybe a naive question too. I'm assuming that the video gaming industry is still primarily male. So is there a lot of opportunity for females to like really make their name in this industry as well? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's funny. The the split is actually 55-45 now. 55% male to 45% women. Crazy. Yeah, it's way more split than people once thought it was. Everybody still does have this thought that like the typical gamer is this guy in his mom's basement you know, drinking Red Bull with a (laughs) headset on. With the Cheetos, man. You got to get the Cheetos. Totally. And there's plenty of them and, and, and that's great. And, but like, you know, gaming stretches out like mobile games. You think about mobile games True. Um, and the types of games that, that are popular there. 
Um, and you think about like there's PC games, there's cloud computing games, there's so many different types of games now that really has given us so much diversity hmm. in uh, our audience. But to your point, you know, right now, gaming is going through this transition where even the companies that put out the games are needing to be much more inclusive and much more diverse. And, and that's all happening right now. Even the game characters that, you know, we have many more women game ca- characters than we ever have had. And so that transition is all happening right now, which is great in its time. And it, and it's, and it adds growth. It adds legitimacy to our industry. Like totally. it, it really does. Um, and so, but uh, one of the things I'm passionate about, I speak on it a lot, is still only 5% of the top creators are women. So you have 45% of the audience is women, but only 5% of the top creators are women. So there's, you know, there's a huge need for women to get involved right now on the gaming front and not just a huge need for them, but also like there's major capitalization for them right now too. Because if you think of all the brands that are actually, you know, understanding that they need to have a diverse program, they always are looking for more women to include. Um, we make sure to always, you know, promote and add to the list when, you know, brand wants to see a list of women that they can choose from or people that they can choose from that we give them a mixed diverse list of men and women. And even though there's a lot less women influencers, they get picked a lot more. And so you're seeing that there's a a very healthy need for more women influencers and creators right now. Um, So I think right now it's a, it's a great time to jump into it. Um, I think the brands understand that it's important. I think the, um, the, the payment equal pay is starting to, to get, you know, really handled is being handled well uh, with the brands for the men and the women gamers. So I just think it's a, it's a great time for more women gamers to jump in to the industry. And and then also I think like if if they come in and they really work hard, you know, in a few years, they have really like made their mark in the industry and been part of that transition that's happening right now. And if you think about it too, like a few years to potentially get up to the point where you're bringing in half a mil a year, like that is insane. That's crazy. I can't think of very many industries where you could truly do that. Even in a lot of other, like the travel influencer industry or the money influencer industry that I'm in, like all of that stuff, like it's a lot more saturated. So I mean, I'm seeing so much opportunity here, but my immediate reaction is like, Jordan, sign me up. I'll call you in five years. However, I don't know if I would even be good enough. So I think a lot of people feel this way too, but do you have to be like a top gamer where your stats are just like out of control? You're incredible. Is it you have to have a good personality? Is it a combination? Like what does it take to actually build an audience there? Yeah, you have to have a hook of some sort. There's gotta be a reason people wanna watch you. Um, I would say that being a great gamer is your number one way to build an audience because then people can experience the game like they never have because they don't play it at that level. I think that's huge. But if you're not the best, let's say you got to be good or the gaming community won't respect it, but (laughs) dang it. (laughs) But let's say you're, you're, you know, you're good, maybe not expert, um, but you have, you have to be good on camera. You have to be good, a good personality. 
that's important. You know, funny content, building community of people of like-minded people that like to either joke about things or have a topic that they like to talk about. That's important too. So you don't have to be the best gamer. It certainly helps, mm-hmm. but you very much could be a personality-based um, influencer in the gaming industry, mm-hmm. putting out just great content. That's like the most important thing. Okay. So my idea of having my channel and calling it occasionally okay is probably not going to work out for me. (laughs) (laughs) It can work. Oh, it might, right? (laughs) It can work. You just, yeah, maybe add, maybe add another element to it, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, you're going to need more than that. That's so funny. I, I see a lot of people too, that because I've, I've built some YouTube channels myself and it's hard work. Like, I don't think people understand how difficult it actually is to grow an audience, to put out content consistently. Like it's a lot. So I've been seeing this trend of people almost skipping the YouTube segment or Twitch and just going directly to TikTok to build up an audience for like highlight reels or whatnot. Is that a viable stream or do you really need to pair it with another platform? Every industry is different. So I can I can speak to gaming. TikTok's great because they definitely have a way of getting your channel growth over, mm-hmm. I think, every other platform out there. What we see is that um, TikTok doesn't pay the same yeah. uh, as, like, say, a YouTube uh, channel would for the same amount of views. Um, in fact, it doesn't even pay the same for a lot more views on TikTok than you would on YouTube. I do think the format is challenging for, for um, gameplay. I don't know why it would, because it is very simple just to watch the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems like a lot of the formats are slightly different uh, where people are like doing a little bit more skit based things and and personality driven things on TikTok than they are like around the game on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I, I don't know if I would say you you could just skip it if you wanted to be a gaming influencer. Yeah. I think all all of the brands that we work with on larger scale programs like that you have a TikTok channel. They want to supplement all of their programs on TikTok, but they really first want the first pieces of content to go out on their YouTube channel. That's what we're seeing. So that could change, you know, very much so in like the last six months, esports teams, the core accounts uh, are more and more interested in being on TikTok. Um, So there's definitely growth there. It's, It's definitely taken serious. But monetarily, we don't see nearly the same amount offered for uh, TikTok programs. And then also the format's just slightly different. Everybody usually wants to have an initial asset out on YouTube. So I would suggest build them both. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it makes sense too. And I think if you already have the footage, why not just repurpose it and put it somewhere else too and then piece it out? It makes a lot of sense. I'm kind of curious too with all of this industry and with the work you guys are doing at Moriello, at what point does somebody come and reach out to you and say, Hey, we'd love to work with you and have you manage my, my basically business. At what point do you guys work with people? Influencers, creators. Yeah. Yeah. We go through a lot uh, of scrutinizing a channel, but I, I would say like a general rule of thumb is we, when a person has built 
up the consistency of building content on a regular basis and is constantly putting it out so that they can actually grow an audience, which makes them viable for, for management. They don't have the time to actually manage the business aspects of things. So I would say like when you probably start feeling like you're not even being able to respond to the sponsorships, certainly don't have time for the negotiations, don't know what your market value should be and how much you should be charging. Don't know the first thing to look at when a contract is sent to you and what to push back on. Mm -hmm. I would say when you don't have the time for that or you don't have the interest in handling those things, you know, that's probably the right time to reach out uh, for management. I think that's a, that's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. No, when, when you just can't handle the, the the amount of business, it's time to like partner with someone that can. Yeah. You got to hire someone, right? I agree. I think there's a lot of, it's so funny because I think a lot of people that get into any type of influencing or online business, they usually do it for the love of whatever gaming for money, whatever it might be that they often forget about the business side of it. And they're like sitting on a gold mine, but they don't realize it because they're like, I'm just doing my thing. I got a couple thousand dollars a month off of AdSense. Like I'm great, but they forget about the possibility for more growth. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. And those people are great. You know, I'll be honest, brands want to work with them the most because they're not like taking every sponsorship that comes their way. True. You know, but yeah, at some point, you know, you do need to turn it, your passion into a business and you can so well, uh, this route. So, you know, and those are the, those are the things that we talk about in management with, with our talent is, you know, what, what's a good sponsorship for you? You know, what are the types of programs you want to be involved in? Mm. Um, not only are we, so we at Moriello, we're constantly reaching out and selling for you, but like we have weekly and biweekly calls that talk like about who do you want to work with, you know, and, cool. and, you know, who, who feels like a good fit for you, who doesn't, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so those are like conversations that need to be had because, you know, you got to feel very good about, you know, representing a brand. Oh, for sure. I, I see a lot of people do that sell out stuff. And then they look back years later and like, why did I, why did I do this? That was so dumb. Like I, I've been there before too, where I'm like, Whitney, you know, better, but you get so like caught up in that immediacy of someone's going to give me money, like to talk about cool, sign me up. So I, I get it. I definitely do. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough to like say no sometimes, you know, especially in the beginning. And so there's a, there's a time and a place, you know, I think yeah. if you look at some of the best actors and you look at like some of their early work and the types of like horror films that they were involved in or things like that, you're like, I mean, everybody has to do it. There's no shame in it at all. Um, it's just a matter of like, how do you grow past that? Yep. Talk to a group like ours. We'd be happy to help you. Like that's usually probably the right time for us to start talking. It's like, Hey, we're doing sponsorships on our own. We have a steady flow of people that want to work with us. Yeah, but we're just not sure how to navigate out of this and into a place where we're working with people we authentically back, people that we are, you know, we really want to actually work with, um, and we just can't handle the flow of it. Mm-hmm. That's when it's like a great time to talk to us. Makes sense. This was such an interesting conversation. I'm grateful that you took the time to educate me on this new industry and what it all means. I'm not a gamer myself, so I find this like incredibly fascinating. And so I'm just so grateful you took the time out of your day to to chat with us. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some fun rapid fires? 
<laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. I'm curious for you, what is one book that you find yourself gifting to others most often? Uh, the Art of Productivity. It's like this big. Uh, send that, I send that one out quite a bit. Nice. I'll have to check that one out. I don't think I've seen that one before. It's about it's about list making and building lists and micro lists and then how to check things off and then move to the next. And it's like organizing your day, how you start your day with organization, how you start your week with overall goals. That's really good. Peter Thiel, Zero to One. I think that's a great book. Oh, yeah. um, Drive, Daniel Pink. That's a great book. I think those are those are great ones, real relevant to today's work environment. Perfect. Thank you. I'll definitely list those in the show notes too. For you, where's one location you're dying to travel to? Oh, wow. Uh, that I've never been to? Oh, I guess either. Uh, before pandemic, I wanted to go to Capri, uh, mm-hmm. South Italy. Um, we had it booked and that got canceled. I haven't made it there yet. So I'm Italian. I would, I've been to Italy a few times. I've never been to South Italy. So I, I'd love to be down there. That'd be so fun. Are yeah. you more of a morning or evening routine person? Um, I, I, I'm like a creature of habit in general. So I'm, <laughs> I, uh, I pretty much am like, I'd run the same routine in the mornings and throughout, throughout the day. Um, the night I kind of keep free. So I'm a little bit more relaxed at night. Tell us about your morning routine. What's, what's your current one? Oh, it's nothing too special. It's just like try and get up at the same time every day. Um, I usually get up like around six. Um, you know, I, I do exercise in the morning. Um, so I, I get about 30 minutes of exercise in not a long time, but I get a little sweat. I just get dressed for the day. Um, I work from home now. Uh, so in order to get out, I go and get a coffee every day. I drive, um, I get 15 minutes there, 15 minutes back. I don't take the closest coffee shop. So I get a little drive, just, uh, no calls during that time. Um, I, I grab a coffee, drive back, um, feed my dog. And then I, and then I hop on and when I hop on, I, I don't immediately take a call yet either. I, uh, I check all my mail. Um, I usually have my day pretty scheduled out, but I go through the schedule. I like to see what I have in front of me so I can prep for it. Um, I make sure that my, my list is, is fully fleshed out. And then I usually jump into my first call. Sweet. That's a great morning routine. <laughs> I love that. Okay. This is a money podcast. So of course I have to ask you this. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Um, I think, you know, oh, there's so many things. Consistency. Consistency for sure. You, you can't, You everything has to be habitual. You have to continually work at things to get better at them. And you have to be on it every day. You know, I... I was a good student, but not the best student. Um, And so uh, I, but I'm a firm believer. It's not about like how brilliant or how smart you are. I think it's about like how tough you can be consistently. Mm -hmm. And I think you can get anywhere with that. And and then, you know, on the financial side, um, you know, save, make investments, you know, don't sit on a lot of money, get it out there, invest it. And then keep working to build more. Don't spend your money like, you know, spend some of it on yourself, but invest a lot of it. Keep your accounts a little lower with your money out working for you. And then keep building that. And then you get to a place where, you know, your passive income can, can you know, pretty much support you. And that's when you know it's time you can relax a little bit. 
kick your feet back a hair, officially hit financial independence. It's a good, it's a good place to be. I like it. Jordan, this was such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for sharing all of your recommendations on books too. I've got a few to add to my list and it was just really fun connecting with you. No, I appreciate it, Whitney. Thank you for having me on. Okay. What'd you think? Super interesting, right? I found it to be so fascinating to hear that some of the mid-tier influencers are making about $500,000 a year on just sponsorships. Like that is insane to me. Now, given it is a lot of work and I'm sure you understand that after listening to this episode too, hopefully you see it's more than just playing video games and streaming. Like it, it takes a lot more work than just that. But I thought it was really fascinating. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're having a great week and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.